you have your Bible, would you turn to James chapter 3, and we read verses 13 through 18, as we continue our journey through the book of James, wisdom from above, James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace. Pray. Father, thank You for Your Word today, the source of all wisdom. Thank You for Jesus, who has been made to us wisdom Uh, Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to ask you for wisdom, and you will give that to us. And help us, Lord, to live by the wisdom that is from above. Lord, teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who among you is wise and understanding? I think that's an interesting question that James asks of his Readers and asks asks of us as well, because it implies that some of us are wise and some of us may not be so wise. So who among us are wise and understanding? So I want to give you a little test whereby you can know if you are truly wise. It's called Norwegian medical terminology. There's 24 Uh, Norwegian medical terms, but I'm not going to give all of them. I'll just give you ten of them, and you kind of keep track and see how many of them you can get right. Barium. That is what you do when CPR fails. Dilate. That's to live long. Fester. That's quicker. Morbid is a higher offer. Nitrate is lower than the day rate. Node means that you are aware of. Outpatient is a person who has fainted. Protein is being in favor of young people like we just heard from this morning. Uh, Tumor is an extra pair. You didn't get that. That's two more. And varicose veins are veins which are very close together. Now, how many of you got all ten of them? How many of you got one of them? There's not very many wise people here this morning. So, we need to learn about what real wisdom is all about. I believe James gives us three characteristics of true wisdom. The first one is this. True wisdom is practical... Not intellectual. Practical, not intellectual. To the Greek mind in the first century, wisdom was understood to be primarily intellectual. It focused on human reason, greatly valued knowledge, 
I like how Richard Lenski describes it. He says, having no Bible, they were left to their own thoughts and their own reasoning. They tried to attain wisdom in the way of rational explanation. They demanded principles, chains of reasoning, and systems of philosophy. So if something didn't fit with their rational understanding, it was simply rejected. A good example of this is when Paul was preaching in Athens at the Areopagus. Remember that in Acts chapter 17? And he was brought there to explain his new way of teaching, at least to the Greeks it was, and they always wanted to hear something new, so he came and and he proclaimed in Jesus the resurrection. What was their response to that? Acts chapter 17 tells us that they sneered at such a thought, a resurrection, who would believe in that? That does not make sense with human reasoning, at least intellectually, and so they rejected it. Their human wisdom said there is no way that someone could rise from the dead. And so they, they abandoned such a thought. That reminds me of the typical unsaved college philosophy professor. I don't know if any of you have taken philosophy in college. But many of them think they are so wise as they reason out the issues of life. And yet most of them don't really know that much. They don't really understand. They don't really have the, the true wisdom that, that comes from above. They might be intellectual, they might be smart, they might have a high IQ, but yet as far as the real wisdom of God is concerned, greatly lacking. It's more than just an intellectual thing, this this wisdom that we look at this morning. So to the Greek mind, it was primarily intellectual, but to the Hebrew mind of James' day, wisdom was clearly practical. It had little to do with philosophy, little to do with human reasoning. True wisdom was seen in the way that a person lived. Notice how James emphasizes that. In verse 13, he says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Now, that was just totally revolutionary to the Greek way of thinking. They thought it was all knowledge, reasoning, power of the mind, intellectual. James says the wisdom from above is entirely different. It is seen in the way you live. It is seen in your behavior. It is seen in the gentleness of wisdom. Warren Wiersbe says that wisdom was an important thing to Jewish people. They realized that it was not enough to have knowledge You had to have wisdom to be able to use that knowledge correctly. All of us know people who are very intelligent, perhaps almost geniuses, and yet who seemingly are unable to carry out the simple tasks of life. They can run computers, but they can't manage their own lives. Anybody like that? High IQ, lots of knowledge. But they don't know how to live. There's not this practical evidence of true wisdom in their lives. I think of my grandfather. Uh, He was a man who had very little education. But I'll tell you what, he was a man of wisdom. Why? Because he knew Jesus. And he had that wisdom from above. He was a student of God's Word. And it was seen in the way that he lived. And that's the emphasis of this whole passage of Scripture, that wisdom is practical. It is seen in our lives. And it's not so much this 
knowledge and intellectual thing. The second thing James tells us is that true wisdom is humble, not prideful. The false wisdom of the world is is really characterized by pride. And the reason why this is the case is because intellectual knowledge and human reasoning tend to puff people up. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8.1. He says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Have you seen that in, 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 in this world today? Where people that have all this knowledge tends to puff them up like, you know, I am so smart and you are so dumb and let me teach you and you just listen to me and I'll, and I'll tell you how, how it goes. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. As you look at what James says in verse 14, you see two characteristics of the world's prideful wisdom. It is characterized by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Look at verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. The person with selfish ambition is one who is always looking out for himself. He asks questions like this. What's, what's in it for me? How can I achieve more? How can I manipulate to get things what I want? How can I use other people to fulfill my dreams? It isn't difficult to recognize this perspective because you see it everywhere. You see this, this whole selfish ambition that is, that is so much a part of our, our, our culture. You see it on the job. Some people are willing to do almost anything to get to the top. You see it on TV. Most advertisements appeal to our self-centered desires. Remember Ford Motor Company's ad several years ago? Any way you want it, you can have it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's me. This is what I, I want. How about McDonald's years ago? You deserve a break today. So get out and get away to McDonald's. You, don't, you haven't heard any of those, have you guys? They're just glassy-eyed, going, huh? How many ads appeal to our, our selfish ambition? How about in the home? Some people just have to get their way. doesn't matter what they do, what kind of a wake they leave behind them, but they have to get their way. How about elections? We just went through a... A series of elections. Aren't you glad you're not getting any more of those ads in your mailbox? Ads on TV? Some people are willing to say almost anything to get elected. And that's sad. It doesn't matter if it's true. Let's just throw it off the wall and see if something sticks. Anything to get elected. How about in the church? Do we see selfish ambition in the church? Do we see selfish ambition among we who claim to know Jesus, huh? Well, it was there in Paul's day in Philippians chapter 1, verse 17. Listen to this. He describes those who proclaim Christ. Now, think of that. They proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives. Proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming Jesus, and yet it's to honor myself. So you see it everywhere. Selfish Ambition. And if you're wondering where that comes from, James says it comes from bitter jealousy. 
We want more for ourselves because we see that others have more than we do. And when someone else has more than we do, old nature says, you know what? I want some of that too. Selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. What does James say about that? Look at verse 15. This wisdom, and we could put that in quotes, not real wisdom, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above. This is not godly wisdom, but it is earthly, it is natural, and it is demonic. Now, isn't that interesting? It is earthly, it is natural, it is demonic. And what's interesting about that is that these three characteristics of false wisdom correspond to our three enemies, the enemies of our soul. False wisdom is earthly, or of the world. It is natural, or of the flesh. And it is demonic, or of the devil. Isn't that interesting? The wisdom of the world is earthly wisdom in contrast to heavenly wisdom. One author says that by definition it is restricted to the things that man can discover and accomplish by himself. It has no place for God or the things of God. It has no place for spiritual truth or illumination. Earthly wisdom. How about natural wisdom? It's the wisdom of the unredeemed man. It's whose mind has been corrupted by the fall into sin. He doesn't understand spiritual things because the natural man can't understand spiritual things, right? Isn't that what Scripture says? 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Ever wondered why many, so many people don't understand, understand spiritual truth? They're natural. They don't have the Spirit of God living in them. They're unable to. And so you look at the values of the world, the values of those who don't have Jesus in their life, it's no wonder they think that way. And yet we expect more from them, don't we? It's like, can't you see? No, they can't. They've been blinded. They're, they have just the natural mind. It takes the Holy Spirit to really understand the things of God. And how about this one? The wisdom of the world, James says, is demonic. That's a pretty strong statement, right? It is demonic. Its ultimate source is in what? The devil himself. It shouldn't be surprising that James describes it this way because how, why did Satan fall? Why did he fall? Was it not bitter jealousy and selfish ambition? It's exactly what it was. He was not satisfied with the position that he had been given by God. He wanted to be like God. And when he tempted Adam and Eve, how did he tempt them? Same way, right? God is holding something back on you. He doesn't really have your best interests at heart. He knows that if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. The same temptation that caused Satan to fall was the temptation he gave to Adam and Eve, and they fell as well. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. 
So the false wisdom of this world is characterized by pride. But the true wisdom from above is characterized by just the opposite, by humility. Verse 13, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. That word gentleness often translated meekness or humility. The very opposite of pride. So, so what James is talking about here is the humility, of wisdom, the gentleness of wisdom, the meekness. Of wisdom. And may I remind you that meekness is not weakness by any stretch of the imagination. Because if meekness was weakness, then Moses was weak because he was described as the most humble, meek man on the face of the earth. Jesus described himself as meek. So it's a quality that we ought to embrace and not turn away from that humble meekness. And some suggest that the word translated Uh, gentleness here, was used to describe a wild horse that was broken and became useful to the owner. In other words, strength under control. That's real wisdom, isn't it? It is strength under the control of the Holy Spirit who is working in us. Humility of wisdom. If you're wondering what it means to be humble, James gives us some of those characteristics in verse 17 as he describes the wisdom from above. He says the wisdom from above is is pure. The idea here is the absence of any selfish attitude or motive. The wisdom from above is peaceable. This means never starting or continuing in strife or division or dissension. The wisdom from above is gentle. The word carries the idea of being willing to yield to others rather than continuing to insist on our rights. Insisting on my way, right? My way or the highway. How many people have you met like that? The wisdom from above is reasonable. Literally easily persuaded. Willing to to listen. Willing to be taught. Willing to, to change if need be. Other than the the one who says, I've made up my mind. Don't confuse me with the facts. How many people that live like that? I've made up my mind. I don't want to hear anything else. I don't want to listen to you. The wisdom from above is full of mercy, good fruit, unwavering, and without hypocrisy. Now, in my mind, that's pretty appealing wisdom, isn't it? Don't you want to have that kind of wisdom? Pure Peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruit, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Does that kind of wisdom remind you of Jesus? It ought to. Because based on what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, that's how Jesus lived and that's how we ought to live. Listen to what he says. Philippians 2 verse 3, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And then he goes on to say, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in whom? In Jesus. And he goes on to describe what did Jesus do? Emptied himself. Took on the form of a servant. 
suffered the death of the cross. That's the way Jesus lived. No selfish ambition there. No bitter jealousy there. But a humble servant of God who was willing to lay down his life for others. That wisdom is found in Jesus. And that's why the only way that we will understand what this wisdom is about is if we know Jesus. It's not natural to us. It is very the opposite of our human prideful nature. But when Jesus Christ comes into our life, there's a change. One of the changes is a humble attitude of heart, a desire to give our lives for the sake of others. So true wisdom is humble, not prideful, because it's found in Jesus. The third thing James tells us is this, that true wisdom brings peace, not disorder. You know, if you're going to follow the world's view of wisdom, the result is not very pretty. James tells us that the result of the world's wisdom in verse 16 is disorder and every evil thing. Notice that. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. And that shouldn't surprise us, should it? That the world's wisdom leads to disorder because this kind of wisdom is self-seeking. It is self-seeking. And if I'm out to please myself, then I'm going to have to step on others in the process to get what I want. And that causes problems. Believe it or not, people don't like being stepped on. And they'll fight back. And so if we're living these selfishly desired lives... There's going to be disorder. There's going to be tension. There's going to be problems in relationships. You wonder why there's problems in marriages today and problems in families today and problems in workplace today and problems among nations today and churches today. What is it? It's this selfishness, right? Leads to disorder and every evil thing. The word disorder is kind of interesting. It has the basic meaning of instability and was used to describe a disturbance or a tumult and sometimes even rebellion or anarchy. We see some of that in our political climate today. And considering how our culture has swallowed the wisdom of this world, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. But when there is disorder in the church... That's heartbreaking, isn't it? When you see that amongst the people of God where there is division and dissension and disorder in a congregation, oh, how that must grieve the heart of God. Where people who claim to love Jesus just can't seem to get along. It's a poor testimony to the world, isn't it? How sad when that happens. There's a better way. The result of true wisdom is what? It is peace. Look at verse 18. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. By those who make peace. And if you think about it, you can understand how the life of the truly wise person promotes peace. Because it's hard to fight with the kind of person that James describes here, isn't it? 
Think of it. How do you fight with the one who's humble, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, impartial, sincere? Those kind of people promote peace, not disorder. And they're a joy to be around, people like that. People who are endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of what? Peace. Now, there's times when we need to stand up for, 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 for truth, obviously. But there are some people that just seem to be always in the midst of some kind of conflict. And they're always the type that thinks it's someone else. Isn't that interesting? Are we peacemakers? Sowing peace. So, let me ask the question again. Are you a wise person? As James asked it, who among you is wise and understanding? How can you tell? Not by Norwegian medical terminology, so don't worry if you did bet on that. You can tell by the fruit that is seen in your life. Wisdom isn't measured by how much you know, but by how well you live. It isn't determined by how smart you are, but by how humble you are. It isn't seen in looking out for yourself, but in looking out for others. And true wisdom comes only from God. Verse 17 says, this is the wisdom from above. The wisdom that comes from God. And that's the kind of wisdom we need. The wisdom from above. So how do you get that wisdom? Well, you need to know Jesus because He is wisdom. He is wisdom personified. You need to ask for wisdom, right? We saw that in James chapter 1, verse 6. If any of you lack wisdom, what? Ask of God. Give me wisdom, Lord. Give me wisdom. And then you need to seek for wisdom in God's Word. Listen to Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, what's the result? Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. You get the picture of that, of that passage? Wisdom is of great value. And we ought to, to cry out for it. We ought to seek for it. We ought to ask for it. We ought to spend time in God's Word so that God will give us the kind of wisdom that we need in this world today. Great value such wisdom is. I read an interesting story about Betty Goldstein. She lived in Staten Island, New York. And she entered the hospital, so her husband, Ron, took her 3.5 carat diamond ring and put it in a napkin for safekeeping of all places. Well, at a forgetful moment, he took the napkin and he threw it in the garbage and put the garbage out on the street. And the garbage truck came and took the garbage and 
put it in the back of the truck. And he realized, uh-oh. So, as the truck was rumbling down the street, he called the local sanitation department, got permission to follow the truck to the transfer station. Workers began looking literally through hundreds of garbage bags until they found that diamond ring. Now, why, why would they go through all that effort? Just a piece of stone? Huh? Well, it was valuable to him. Valuable to his wife. And they were willing to do what they had to do to, to get that three and a half carat diamond ring back. Now, that's just for a jewel. What about the wisdom of God? Do we have that desire to dig into the Word, to search the Scriptures, to cry out to God and say, God, give me wisdom. Give me the wisdom that is from above. May that be our desire, our prayer today. Lord, give me wisdom. Help me to spend time in Your Word so that my mind and heart is filled with the truth of Your Word and it's seen them in the way that I live. Who is wise among you? Let him show, James says, by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Let's pray. Father, teach us what it really means to be wise. Not just having knowledge, not just being smart, but the wisdom from above that literally changes our lives, that transforms us, that makes us more like Jesus, who is wisdom personified. Lord, do your work in our lives today and each and every day as we spend time seeking for wisdom like for hidden treasures in silver and gold. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.